This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Amanda Lucas Correa. Welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Happy to be here again. Yeah, I mean, you've come all the way from New York. Yes, uh, I spent, I think, 35 hours between airports and planes. Very happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. And, and you came just specifically to do the Better Reading podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, the flight that we took this morning from Canberra, it was only for you. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go. Um, Amanda and I, well, we've met before. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been to New York and you generously had me in your office, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. It was a fantastic experience. I'm going to introduce you to our listeners. Uh, Amanda was born in Cuba. He's an award-winning journalist, editor and author and the recipient of several awards from the National Association of Hispanic Publications and the Society of Professional Journalism. Amanda's journalism career began in 1988 and in 1997 he moved to New York to work as a senior writer at People at People en Española. Is that right? Española, yeah. Española. Since 2007 he has been editor-in-chief. Amanda wrote his first non-fiction book, In Search of Emma, in 2009, and in 2016 released his first novel, The German Girl, a heart-rendering and utterly compelling World War II story. The German Girl was an international bestseller, published in more than 20 countries. Amanda is here today to discuss his second novel, The Daughter's Tale, an equally gripping story of love, survival and impossible choices. And that's out this week, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and internationally out now. Yes, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've or, I'm always in awe um, of authors who uh, have a full time job and also write, <laughs> <laughs> and that's you. Well, in my in my case, you know, I have a hectic life. I I have a father of three children, as you know. Yes. My daughter is a, officially a teenager, yes. thirteen and a half. And it's only going to get more hectic then. <laughs> yeah. She finished uh, middle school. That's the reason I have to travel Monday because I want to be in his, in, they call moving up ceremony instead of prom. And the twins are uh, nine and a half. Yeah. And then I am editor in chief of a magazine. And my, our magazine is the number one Hispanic magazine. Yes. In the Hispanic market. And to have an idea in the United States, we have almost 60 million Hispanics. <gasps> And what's the circulation of the magazine? The magazine is 540,000 copies per month. We have 7 million readers and the website, we hit like a 2 million per day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's massive, isn't it? Yeah. But, you I know, want- it's a small market. In a way, <laughs> if you compare with the United States and, and you're in the same business and you know, when 
uh, Google search, when you are in Spanish, we have a little more difficult to get the audience. Yeah, mm, mm, it is a bit harder. Um, I want to talk about your journey um, mm -hmm. to how you got to the United States mm -hmm. um, because uh, I've I've read a lot about you, and I don't know whether we had this conversation earlier, but you talked to me about being a tenant or buying into a building that had. Oh my God, you remember that? I do yeah. remember that yeah. story. Talk to me about that. Well, uh, I live in New York in the, the west side of Manhattan and I live in a kind of building from 1905. They call it co-op because co they create like a, this kind of cooperative that all the owners of the different, you know, the, in our case, 25 apartment, we can decide who's going to buy the apartment or not or who's going to rent it, not because everybody has to be owner, owner there. And then I became in 2010 the first Hispanic in this building from 1905 that buy an apartment there. And at the same time, we're a family of two dads and we, we were the f first gay family living in the building. Even so the, first gay for, and first for Hispanic. Hispanic yeah. yeah. And even the, the, the superintendent is Irish. It's a, it's a very, you know, white building. And we're happy because, you know, I live when, when I want to live. I don't need to live in the same neighborhood like, you know, like, a, you know, the Dominican living in the upper Manhattan. I feel that I, whatever I want, I don't, I, I try to, I don't care about the barriers or, mm. or the wall that someone wants. You just go for it. I, I'm going for it, you know, yeah. if I think I deserve it. Or I... But I guess I guess you've got those opportunities because of exactly. the position that yeah. you have. Tell yeah. me about your journey. I mean, how you got to this position. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in Cuba and my family, my grandparents, they are, you know, they're a Spanish immigrant from the beginning of the 20th century. They arrived in Cuba, both sides, my mother's side and my father's side. Uh my mother is a very strong woman and they get married before the revolution, 1959 in, in, in Guantanamo. And after the revolution, she decided she wanted to be an engineer. And my father, you know, he was an old kind of mine, I think. And they divorced when I was two and a half and my sister it was like a couple of months. And you were still in Cuba? That was in Cuba, yeah. yeah. And then to have an idea, my I live with my grandmother. She was a strong woman. My mother, who yeah. decided to get divorced in, during the sixties and became an engineer. And then that's I, a big step, isn't it? It's a big step, and mm. we moved to Havana. The whole family. Yeah. And my father is a good guy. No, he's eighty eighty six right now, and he has a new family, and he's a very nice guy. But you know, it, it was the sixties. It was the kind of mentality. And are they in, where are your parents? Well, my mother lives in Miami. Yeah. My whole family from my mother's side lives in Miami. And my father, who is, is new family he created during the 60s, he lives in Cuba. He has a couple of daughters. One lives in Ecuador, she's a doctor. And the other one lives in Miami, she's a teacher. And the other one lives in Cuba. And I, I went to, to college, I was always a reader since I was, you know, a So child. you came from Cuba to Miami? I, I, I left Cuba in 1991. I went to college in Cuba. Oh, you went to college? Yeah, yeah. In Cuba. And, and I became, you know, my major was theater and dance critic. And that right. was my first job that I have working in a theater magazine in Havana. Right. And, uh, and then in 1991, I was invited by Pratt Institute, you know, at university yes. in, in Brooklyn for a conference about sociology and theater. Mm -hmm. 
And because I am in Cuban, by the law, I, if I get a visa and go to the United States, I can stay and get my papers immediately. And a year and a half, I became a resident, five-year citizen. Mm. And I, you know, this is a law from the six, 1966, I think. And I got an offer to work for the Herald, like a freelancer at the beginning. And in 1993, I became a kind of clerk reporter covering, you know, obituaries, the obits. I was the one, the one writing all the obits. And six months later... In English? In, no, in Spanish. In That's Spanish. The, El Nuevo Herald is the Spanish version of the Miami Herald. But to have an idea, Miami... The Hispanic population is bigger okay. than the English dominant population. Okay, so you're writing obituaries. Yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I was happy because it was like having, you know, having like a, a full-time job with health insurance. You know, I was oh, yeah. a Cuban refugee living in Miami. Yeah, yeah. And then six months later, I became a reporter and in a year, a part of the investigative team, I team. Yeah. Uh, working for, you know, for the front page of the newspaper. It was like uh, going back to college. I love it. It was mm -hmm. like a good training covering politics, election, crime. And during the weekend, because I, I was a theater and dance critic, I, the entertainment editor, assignment covering, you know, entertainment, what kind. And even I never did a, a, a theater review because I, I was a really close friend for the critic at that moment and I respect every, every space. But I, I wrote a lot of dance uh, reviews and interview celebrities when they go. And that, that opened me a, a space to going to work for people when the people in Espanol was created. And then my editor at the Herald, uh, Mirto Hito, she was a very well known, uh, journalist in, in United States, uh, she got an offer to work for the New York Times. And then she moved to New York and, and living in New York, she found out that we're looking for a senior writer for People in Español. People in Español belonged to, at that moment, Time Inc. is the biggest publishing company in the world. Mm. They have Time Magazine, you know, Life Magazine, mm. and People Magazine is the biggest magazine in the world with the, I think they have four million, the circulation is four million per week. Wow. And they decide to create people in Espanol because, you know, we have So let me just get some clarity uh -huh. around this. And for uh -huh. those of us in Australia, because uh -huh. we might not understand and not everybody has visited the US. When you talk about Hispanic, uh -huh. what are we talking about in terms of? We're talking about all the, the, you know, the, the bigger percentage is from Mexico. Yeah. You know, Mexico. So we're talking about Mexicans? Mexican, Argentinian, Cuban. Puerto Rican, Dominican, Puerto Rican at the same time they are American citizens because you know Puerto yes. Rico is part of the United States. I do know that. But this is a small population. Yes. Uh, they have I think around two million in Puerto Rico and another million in New York or yeah. around, you know, the East mm. Coast. Mexican I think is over thirty million. Mm. They have you know, mm. it's always California. And so, so People magazine or the paper that you're working for, it's it it's in the Spanish language, but it's reporting on the US. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's quite and the big, we don't have that. No, yet. no. The big distribution is United States. Yeah. Even we. The stories of the United States. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's about celebrities. That the difference between people and other kind of magazine. I don't, I don't know if you have Hello here. Yeah, or, we yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Is that we cover celebrity doing something normal, yes. like uh, regular people. Yes. And we cover regular people doing something extraordinary. Yeah. This is the formula that yeah. we have. 
and it's a ve- it's, it, and we are reporters. It's yes. not like we don't use paparazzi pictures. You know, we ha- we don't talk to sources. We talk to the real. Yeah. You know, we never. I was just clarifying that because in this country here, there mm-hmm. really isn't anything like that. We we just have English. Yeah. Um. You know, newspapers and magazine reporting on mm-hmm. the country. Yeah. So that's it for me. It's quite a unique situation. And yeah. I remember when I came to meet you for the first time, I always thought it was reporting on somewhere else. And then when I was sitting in your no. office, I, it just kind of the penny oh, dropped. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's a bigger market with the, you know, with the the, con, the consume million billion of dollars. You of know, course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, if Trump had his way, <laughs> yeah. maybe not. I mean, yeah. it, but when when you talk that we have we are sixty million Hispanic living in US, I think how many a million do uh, you have in here? Twenty five. Twenty five. To have yeah. an idea, it's bigger than Australia. No, yeah, it is. And it's then you have to have magazine and yes. products and you know yeah, and service. It's, it's a big and market. I I think that it, we have like thirty percent are Spanish dominant, like another I don't know forty percent they are bilingual. And like uh, the small part, they are English dominant. Then it's, it's, this is the composition of the 60 million Hispanic that we have. Mm-hmm. And we work for the bilingual and the Spanish dominant. We create something called like people chica for the millennial who, you know, the people who only speak English and they are Hispanic and they feel part of the community. And we create that website and, you know, oh, for uh, them. Yeah, yeah. Really good, I even in people in Espanol, I think they had the last five pages. It's, we call them people chica and chica yeah. is like a little girl, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 I like it. Okay, so you've risen to what, you know, is a, an extraordinary job. Um, yeah, I, and I, I remember when I, in 2007, when, you know, the, uh, timing is like a very corporate monarchy publishing house in, in New York. And the editor, they are celebrities, you know, yes. not me. I'm talking about the, yes. you know, the people and Time magazine. And I, when I was named uh, editor in chief, my, my boss presented me in a big lunch with all these uh, editors that, you know, they graduate for Ivy League school, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. He said, Armando is the first editor in the 91 years of the company that he's graduated. Out of the United States, you know, that was the presentation. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, yeah you should be very proud yeah. of that. It's extraordinary. Yeah. So you've got this great job, you've got a lovely mm-hmm. family, and you're in a nice apartment. And yeah. what makes you want to write a book? <laughs> I mean, but, really, most yeah, people would sit I, back I, and think, oh, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always writing and reading. And, and even when I'm writing, like I finish because I have a deadline, I have to read first. It's the only way my my brain wake up, mm. and I have to read between one hour and and a half. Or and what do you read? Who's your favorite uh, author? Yeah, you know, I I I. Oh boy, my favorite. You know, this is hard when you are reading like <laughs> three books per week. Yeah, know? but um, for the minute. Who's okay, your I, I remember. I I I always attach to some kind of book when I'm writing. Yes. And I remember when I wrote In Search of Emma. Okay, by the way, it's going to be in English next uh, next year. Right. Fantastic. With Harper Collins. I, I was reading Joan Didion, and I love Joan oh, Didion. And I was licking the the magical uh, the, the year of the magical thinking, and I remember me crying all mm. the time with the book. And I was obsessed. I read the book about Miami. I find you know I, I almost became her stalker. This is yeah. only here. Say, <laughs> I I know what is uh, her apartment in New York. Yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And, yeah. and I went to see the... She's got a beautiful presence. I mean, oh, I've only ever seen her in photos, oh but she's God. beautiful. And she's a beautiful speaker and, mm. and, you know, her life is fantastic because mm. she... She became like a kind of actress, but in the the world of the writing, no. Mm. And, and and her life is fantastic, but she suffered a lot of grief. Oh hasn't my God! She? Yeah. yeah, and you know, she lost her her husband, and mm. this is the book, the magic, mm. the year of magical thinking, and then uh, when the, she sent the book to print. Her do- the only daughter that she adopted when she was a baby, and she died. Mm. And I, I, I remember that I read an interview that the editor said, we need to change the, the end of the book. He said, no, my book is closed. You know, this is the book. Mm. And that's my personal part of the story. Mm. You know, the people don't understand when you are writing, it's like a perfect box that you put something on the side. It's weird. It has to be organically. It has to be created. I can, you can change a book because something happened in your mm. life. Mm. I think so. Yeah. So tell me about when you first st- started writing fiction and where that idea came oh, from. Uh, and, and, uh, and when do you write? Like practically you've got a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. You've got a big family. I, I, I mean, three kids is a big yeah, family these days. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't do meditation or yoga that I like. <laughs> I don't go to the gym. I don't and, do and this is This is my exercise, you know, I think, at least for my mind. Exactly. And writing for me is this is the kind, some people meditate, mm. I write. This mm. is my moment. The, do you the, do it in the morning or the evening? No, in the evening. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, the, it's different. The daughter's, uh, the daughter's cell, I wrote it during the weekends. Uh, I have a house in the upstate New York in the country. And I write every weekend during, during two years, you know, like mm. a, a very disciplined one. Sometimes I have a, a day free, I can write. But the, the German girl, I wrote, I, I wrote the German girl between 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. every mm. night. I edited the same, you know, the thing that I wrote the night before between 8 to 10 and 10 a.m. Everything started in my office. It was crazy. And during the weekend, I dedicate one of the day to the book and the other day to the children. They were small at that moment. Yeah. And but I was under pressure because I signed the contract, I have a deadline. I didn't know that I can finish a book that had been uh, writing for the last 10 years. But I did it. I know I can produce. Between, you know, my goal is like producing like a 500 words per day. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't mean that I have to write every day, but... It, 
Then during the weekend, I have, I have to produce between 3,000 to 5,000 words. Mm. And this is my, not, not because it's a goal, it's something that I do and I test it with the German girl. Mm. So you, you ha where did you get the idea from? Tell me your inspiration for yeah. the German girl. For the German girl, uh, you know, it's about the St. Louis, this big uh, ocean liner with over 900 Jewish refugees living Hamburg, Germany in the night of May 13, 1939. And all of them, this is in the middle after Kristallnacht, they received, they got very expensive permit of disembarking Havana. It was the only country giving them a kind of visa. And when the boat arrived in Havana, May 17, May 27, 1939, my, ma my grandmother, she was pregnant with my mom. And I think, you know, it hit it very, like, uh, hard. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up during the 70s and 80s uh, with my grandmother saying, always around May, that Cuba is going to pay very dearly because of what they did to the Jewish refugee. And they're going to pay for the next 100 years. Mm -hmm. And I use that phrase in mm -hmm. the voice of Alma, uh, Alma in, when she get old and live in Cuba. And she's the kind of my grandmother, no? And then... Uh, I was obsessed with this story. And I remember going with my grandmother when I was like a 10 years old and my sister going to the port of Havana. And she said, oh, here was the biggest uh, ocean liner. Nobody, you know, it's like the Titanic. Mm. And it was magical for me. When I went to college, I have access to the National Archive working for my thesis. And I asked the librarian, do you have anything related to the St. Louis here? And it was like a secret because she came to me like, you know, we cannot talk about it. But we used well, to... Because there's great shame, right? And you know, because in Cuba, the information is controlled. This is a yeah. communist country course, and you don't have yeah. access to yeah. to archive or something like that. And, and then she said that there used to be like three boxes labeled with the St. Louis and all of them disappeared during the 70s. <gasps> okay. And they said, no. You talk to my teachers, they have a reference, but it's always that we don't talk about it, you know. Okay. Uh, when I arrived in 1991, working on the Herald, have access, in that moment, there were no like an internet that you go to Google and to find everything. And, and because I have access to all this uh, library around the, the United States, I find a lot of document articles and I started buying books uh, related to the St. Louis. And with eBay, I found postcard, uh, yeah, document, everything. plates, uh, um, I want to ask you, and this is just uh, to slightly uh, change the subject, but what was there a cultural, how old were you in 1991? Like what? I like at 27, 28. Yeah. And tell me about that culture. Was it a cultural shock? To oh, me yeah, yeah, it? yeah. I always want to leave Cuba. Cuba, I was, it was like living in an island, being gay and living under the, you know, the communism, it's like claustrophobic, you know, mm. you need to leave. It's, it's, you live around water, you know, mm. this is a big continent you live. But you also leave your family. And you leave your I friends. know, it was my my grandmother, I was really close to grandma, my grandmother. I knew that living Cuba, mm. 
maybe I'm never going to see her again. Mm -hmm. My mother was young, and I know that even after five or ten years, I can see her again. Mm -hmm. And during the 90s, it was really difficult to get a call, you know, phone call to Cuba or send mm -hmm. a letter. And I remember when I arrived in, in Miami, asking my mother, every time that someone is coming to Miami, please send in uh, my books. And, you know, I have my book covering mm -hmm. with paper to protect them from college. And uh, I still have my Madame Bovary <laughs> Cuban edition. It was a disaster that you can find in here. But I want to have my books. And mm -hmm. that's the reason the daughter is still one of the characters, Amanda. She's the owner of the bookstore. And during uh, the the burn of the book in Nazi Germany, she had to decide which book she's going to save. And I, I, I was in the same. I was thinking of her because... I remember my mother saying, you have hundreds of books here. You have to tell me which one is more important. But for me, all of them, they were important. Mm. Yeah. What when you were, when you first arrived in the United States mm -hmm. and, you know, you're working mm -hmm. for the Telegraph, uh, I mean, was it, were there things that you were just in shock of that you could do, that you couldn't do over there, uh, or things that you didn't like there and yeah, you missed over? That you Tell me about that experience. I remember Miami is like Cuba. Yes. It's a small Cuba, a lot of Cuban living there. I haven't been to Miami. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different uh, mm. kind of, but you have to learn a language, you know, it does, it does yes. a, it's very difficult. And, and you weren't speaking English then? No. No, no, you know, you have to study Russian in Cuba. I, I got a couple of classes with a German guy teaching me English, you know, because my grandmother said that you have to learn English. You know. A German guy teaching Yeah, yeah a German guy with a strong accent. <laughs> and, and, and then I think that was the big difficult for mm. me. And, and, and you have to learn how to write for a newspaper in the United States. It's mm. a different, it's, you know, mm. you I mean, have I to be sure, you have to be so direct. Many, yeah. But for me, it was like going to college. I was happy and learning. And at that moment, everything is about line. You have to produce six lines for this story. 20 mm. lines and then sometimes you go to a press conference and you have to dictate your story over the phone uh, I'm talking about 1992 1993 mm. and then you have to have your six line exactly or inches that they need for the paper that is you know sending mm. to print at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Mm. it was you know that that excitement I remember like uh, one of the best years of my life. Yeah. Mm. And Even I don't have any money and you know, I live in a small <laughs> apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you have connections here? Did you have friends? Did you have? Uh, yeah. yeah. Most of my generation left Cuba at the same time okay. during the nineties. You know, yeah. a couple of painters that I, uh, we live almost uh, close in the same area, Cora Gables, a small apartment. Yeah. yeah. And do we want to talk politics a little bit and talk about what's happening in the United States now? Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it breaks my heart. Um, I remember during the election, because, you know, working uh, close to Time Magazine, different mm -hmm. floor, when I left my office the day of the election, uh, everybody was pretty convinced that Hillary Clinton... Oh, was I was win. positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're uh, all they, positive. they said, okay, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. And then Everybody. I arrived home, uh, we went to sleep, and my daughter, you know, said... I think Trump is going to win. Do you see the numbers? And I said, I don't worry. You know, they are reading a couple of states. At the end, he's 
going to win. When I wake up, I have all mm. the messages, my family. It was like, a, you know, for New York, remember, New York is like a bubble. New York, New York is not the real United States. Mm. We think that, that, you know, California, New York is like a different country. And the, the real is Ohio, Iowa, Cleveland, you know. And then my, my, my daughter said, we need to move to, Canada, we have to leave the country. Said you, we're not gonna leave the country. You know, at, at the beginning I was because obsessed, fighting, yeah. and and uh, testing and doing all. You know, because I have a lot of followers for the magazine in mm-hmm. in my Twitter account. But I said I have to move on. You know, it's it's, it's not good for your psyche. It's like grief. I mean, I, I woke uh, up with a tremendous amount of sadness. I thought, how could this happen? Yeah. It was almost felt like a little nightmare. And yeah, it took but you days. know, at the same time, we, I, I work in entertainment magazine, and we cover, you know, Jennifer Lopez, Ricky Martin, all yeah. this kind of stuff. And then after Trump, we did our first cover with non-celebrity. We dedicated to the dreamers. I don't know if you know what oh. is the dreamer. The dreamers is all these kids. They arrive with their parents when they, some, mm-hmm. some of them six months old and they're American. You know, they went, even they got, uh, because President Obama, they give, they give them the possibility to go to college and have papers and work and, and Trump decided that the lawyer was not you know, they, they're going to deport this kid to towns in Mexico, most of them, that they don't, they don't know and they don't speak the language even of them. I dedicate the cover to a chef, to a, a student, one, to a Princeton, wonderful. yeah, to a, an actress and a lawyer, even he's a dreamer. And I put all of them in the, it was not a, a good sell for the magazine, but I'm proud of that campaign. Absolutely. And then the separation of the family. Mm-hmm. at the border and we create a campaign that all the celebrities I think accepted. that that yeah. is like a global atrocity the separation of oh, children that's right. you know I'm a father um, mm-hmm. and you know when you have to leave your country and look at that the daughter still and the mm-hmm. German girl all this family trying to find a space to, uh, to survive to protect your children and they are separated most of them you know in, in New York I remember we went to a place with 700 small children and you know what happened? How do you have your family back again? They don't have, they don't know the name. They don't know the address. They know their mom called, one is Claudia. That's it, the last name. I don't know my last name. That's I don't critical. know how you yeah. can be human and make a decision like that. Oh, I, yeah. You have to be completely heartless as a person. You'd have to be. To yeah. separate children. Yeah, it's horrible. Do you know when I, you know, I mean, and you know this too, you know, when you read history and you read, you know, mm. what happened to the Jews and you think, you know, where was the world? Why wasn't anybody watching? How did this happen? And then you look at it now and it's still yeah. happening. One of the survivors of the St. Louis, Anna Maria Carmen, Gordon now, she lives in, in Toronto, Canada, and she said to me, you know, we have to learn from history mm. because history repeats itself, you know. And that's mm. true, you know, mm. you're seeing every, mm. every day. Mm. But the good thing, we live in a democracy. I right. always say, you know, that. Uh, and a, yes, we have a new election. Yes, and we're all feeling um, very hopeful. Next year, and yes. I'm positive, yeah. Mm. And are you going to put your money on anybody? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you I am Democrat. I even, oh. you know, even, even I, I right now, if, if if you promise that a Republican is going to win, it's not Trump, I'm going to vote for a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> but you there never you know. You, you never, never know. know. Yeah. Amanda Lucas Correa.
Thank you so much for Thank being you. with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And go visit me in New York again. I will. Yeah. I will. I'll come soon. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.